in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James with the rejection. Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in. It is a beautiful Tuesday evening. We are live on YouTube and on X, formerly Twitter. Uh, and uh, we are on your podcast feed for episode 180 of the Sports Hour. Good to be here. A uh, lot of football to talk about, Mitch. It's October. It's spooky season. Things are getting scary in the world of sports. Uh, or I'm, I'm, I'm terrified about everything that's going on. You're terrified. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it doesn't help that my team is winless in the NFL and my Dodgers are wow. on the brink of yet another disappointing exit in the MLB postseason. And uh, but it's besides that, uh, <laughs> yes, it's uh, no, we're just in the midst of all the uh, all the good stuff here in October, and uh, we got a jam packed uh, show today. Yeah, I mean, it's sp- spooky season is upon us. I, I more look at it like uh, it's football and sweater season, especially in California, Ooh. where like. The yeah. hot weather kind of persists and it stays around far too long, way longer than it ever should. October is kind of the beginning of like, I get to throw on a sweater and on Saturdays and Sundays, watch football, put my big sweater on and be fat because like the sweater hides my fat a little bit and just, just watch football. Just in the, in the words of the great big cat, you only get so much football in your lifetime. There is a finite amount of football make sure you watch all the football that you can because you only get so much of it. So um, true. that's what October speaks to me. Um, but also it speaks to me that I get to talk a lot of football with you right here on the sports hour. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of football down the pipe. We've got the campus tour. Um, all the things that that stuff, that segment entails. You guys, if you're a longtime listener, you know what's coming down the pike with the campus tour. Uh, we got a little who the hell is that and forgotten all-star. Um, and then some um, special stuff regarding the NFL on the back half of the show. little quarter mark superlative stuff uh, on the back side of the show. So make sure you stick around for the whole thing because you're not going to want to miss this one. This is, this, no. is, this is loaded. This is loaded, Dallin. It's loaded. It's a good one. It's a good one. This is like a plate of loaded tater tots. Uh, you know, you Ooh, got some I bacon, you got some jalapenos, tots. you got some cheddar cheese, and uh, we're ready to go. You Speaking know? of fat guy, man, goddamn, <laughs> you just you just mentioned you just started rattling off loaded tots, and I got excited there. I, for a I get you going there. Woo! Oh yeah, that got me going. I love loaded. Is tots. that okay? So give me real quick before we get into everything. I need to know your top three forms of potato. Uh, oh. Any any variety, you know, fried, 
uh, oven, you know, you, you could do any varieties of to potato, but give me like top three forms of potato. Oh, God dang it. That's that, that, have to I be mean, in an order, but just give me, you know, your three favorites. I'm going to leave out some really good ones. Of, um, of course. It's inevitable. I love a good mashed potato. Oh, yeah. Has to be in there. Ha- mashed potato has, has to, to be, be in top there. three. Um, yes. Do t- so tots and fries are separate here then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, they have and you be. have waffle fries, you have curly fries, you have, sh- you know, the, the, you know, what I love, you know, I love, and people talk shit on these fries all the time, but an in and out fry. Oh, is okay. So good. And people talk shit on the in and out fries. They do. They're, they're dumb. They're just dumb if they talk shit on the in and out fries. So good. Like top, they don't fry. get it. They don't, they don't get understand it. They, it. they haven't consumed the potato, the soft potatoy, salty fry, while the California sun kisses your face, and it just hits Ugh. different. And unless you've experienced, you know, you just if you're and you can order them know, well you know? done. You can order them well yeah, done, and you you're like, get them a little, you know, crispier. I know they get a little soggy if you, and, you know, sometimes they get a little, but you know, man. but hey, that's part that's of the good. deal. Like people love McDonald's fries, and they get soggy too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But I got to say uh, the third one, this one, and this is probably a little underrated, a little shocker, scalloped. Scalloped potatoes. Scalloped. Ooh, okay. That's a solid yeah. one, dude. Little garlic, little cheese, little chives. Mm, wow. Get that, get that, sprinkle that, sprinkle that on there. That's good stuff. I love That's bringing some heat right there. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think baked potato is probably the most overrated potato of all. A hundred percent. That's it's just so lazy. overrated. That's just yeah. we have a potato, and I don't want to think about doing anything to it. It's not that hard to make a good mashed potato. It's not that hard to do anything else with it. Yeah, just exactly. throw it in the oven or microwave because you don't want to try. Do better. Exactly. Exactly. You have to put your effort into your potatoes, people. It's a staple. It's a staple potatoes. You have to put your effort in your potatoes. Make sure you're doing it the way you want it. Don't get lazy with it. Don't do a baked potato. That's lazy. We don't like that. Absolutely. But, uh, enough potato talk. Enough <laughs> potato talk. Let's get into the campus tour, shall we? Let's get in some football. We'll have maybe, maybe some potato talk later. We'll talk about that because I might want to get your top three a little bit down the road. Uh, but let's get into some campus tour talk here. Um, and down, let's kick it off in the Pac-12, a little week six recap because. Um, I'll tell you what, a pretty damn good slate of football that we had this last week. USC survives against Arizona. Uh, they get the job done 43-41 in triple overtime. Triple yeah. overtime. A tough, tough win for the number nine ranked Trojans over the unranked Wildcats. Um, huge, huge win for USC in the sense that they don't drop to an unranked opponent. Um, big win for them. Uh, we're also looking at you know UCLA over Washington State. That was the upset um, that we didn't see coming, I think. And maybe a lot of people all, also saw this coming because UCLA, really one of those really talented, unranked teams, but they get this done 25-17 over Wazoo. Um, Dallin, your takes, where do you want to start with this one? You see yeah, the USC game, the UCLA Yeah, game. let's definitely start with USC. I think... You know, I, I think Arizona is a really impressive team. I don't think they're, you know, a bottom feeder in the Pac-12 by any means. They showed it in the past two weeks with a good effort against Washington 
last week. And then, uh, you know, this triple overtime thriller against USC that they couldn't pull out, but admirable effort by Jed Fish and his team. But I, I think, Mitch, I think these last few games have been good for USC. I think this is exactly what the doctor ordered, doctor order for the Trojans, especially heading into this matchup in South Bend against Notre Dame uh, coming up here. Uh, you're going to have, you had uh, Colorado who, yeah, they pretty much handled for the most part, but then Colorado surged back, made that a tight game, made, made it. So, you know, USC didn't have to just, you know, sleep in the second half and, you know, bench everybody. Uh, and then you get an Arizona team that really challenged them, took them to triple overtime, but USC showed resilience. Caleb Williams showed why he's the best player in college football. Uh, and they were able to get a win. I think it's good that they were tested, that they were able to overcome some of that adversity now because it's only going to get tougher for the Trojans. Yeah, they have Notre Dame and then they have Utah and they still have Washington and Oregon. Oh, and UCLA uh, for the rest of this season. It's not going to get any easier for USC. So uh, facing some adversity, though, and overcoming it, albeit not, you know, huge adversity against Arizona and Colorado still, I think, bodes well for them uh coming up yeah and i think that like we can talk about like the, the adversity that they're gonna face and and them overcoming it is great but this is not the adversity i think that i want to see them overcome i want to see overcome them you know want to see them overcome the adversity against the top tier programs um them overcoming sure. arizona is not that impressive in fact it's kind of a demotion to them um i i feel like usc should have this this is an arizona team that they should have won by these two scores. Um, the fact that they're going to triple overtime against them. Uh, I know that Arizona has been impressive at some points in the year, but um, USC, if they're going to have a Heisman caliber quarterback there and that type of offense that everyone's going to hype up in the Lincoln Riley system and everyone's going to be happy, they can't be winning by two points and triple overtime over Arizona. They just can't be doing that. So um, a, a, a win that's going to keep them in the conversation of the top 10 in the college football playoffs, but I don't think that was a quality win for USC in my book. Yeah. Um, the UCLA Washington state game down 25, 17 UCLA gets it done over Washington state. Um, I guess the biggest question is, is it was Washington state fake was Washington state fake or is UCLA better than what we, uh, what we anticipated about them? Yeah, I don't think this is a case of anybody being fake or not real. I think this is just a case of the Pac-12 being extremely deep. Uh, sure. And these teams are just going to beat up on each other every week. And so you see Washington State upset Oregon State, and then the next week UCLA upsets them. And then the next week UCLA will get upset by somebody else, right? And the, and the cycle shall continue in the Pac-12. What I'm most curious about is how the top teams fared. The Oregons, the Washington, the USC, can they stay uh, you know, flawless in that mix, or will they get caught up in the churn of the of this really talented conference? But I think it just I think this is really just an impressive win for UCLA. Uh, you know, they, it hasn't been great this year. They've got a young quarterback and Dante Moore, freshman. Uh, he had a really tough week against Utah a couple weeks ago. Uh, a great way for him to bounce back in this uh, in this team to bounce back with a win against a really good Washington State team. So I think. Uh, you know, I think it just proves how good this conference is. And, uh, you know, we know what the top tier is, but this middle tier is very, very good. I think we've talked, we talked about this on earlier podcasts before, like how the PAC 12 would just can't cannibalize itself because they just, they have 
five or six pretty damn good programs and they just beat the hell out of each other. And then none of them makes the college football playoffs because they all split games against each other. Um, but you know, I, I think that you're correct in that, um, this was just more of a fact of, you know, Washington, you know, there wasn't a weak link here. Both of them are really good teams. Um, the PAC 12 is just so damn competitive. It's going to be hard to decipher, um, out of those top six, really, Pac-12 teams who is going to be the ones that are going to be the top competitors um, for a college football playoff by the end of the year. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. SEC, Mitch, we have one game we want to highlight. Georgia-Kentucky is one of our picks from last week. Georgia's first test of the season against a an undefeated ranked SEC team, and Georgia dominated the Wildcats 51-13. to Carson Beck had a huge game. Brock Bowers with a huge game. Uh, Georgia passes the first test. Are we convinced? I don't, I don't think I'm fully convinced on Georgia yet. I, I you know, I'm not uh, feeling like, yeah, this is a hundred percent that playoff, uh, that championship team that we've seen uh, the last couple of years, but this is certainly what you want to see from a team that's ranked number one in the country, uh, a team that is defending back-to-back titles and a good win over a Kentucky team that, you know, maybe it's not the best team in the world, but, better than what we've seen from them. Still much more that we need to find out. I think about Georgia. I think there's still a lot of question marks about Georgia, but the fact that they can get this one in definitive fashion over a Kentucky team, that's been pretty darn good the whole yep. year. Um, this is, this is a big step in the right direction for Georgia, um, especially after the cups cake schedule that they've had leading up to this and that they have kind of going on throughout the rest of the season. Um, I feel like that, if this is Georgia's signature win of the year, they shouldn't be number one at the end of the year. They shouldn't be. Well, um, they've got more games to come. I, think, I know they do. Just Kentucky. They're going to play I, Ole Miss. They're going to play at Tennessee, Florida. I mean, that's not great. But those, those are, are the, the same cali- games. But those are the but same those are better than Kentucky. Kentucky right? No, well, those Ole, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a better team than Kentucky, Mitch. I, I think Ole Miss is a better team than Kentucky. Uh, I think Tennessee is probably a tier up than Kentucky. Florida's probably in that same tier. I think that's fair. Missouri's on the I, schedule. They're probably in that tier. But the, the, they're not playing the same. They're not playing the same sorts of teams that that Alabama and Texas are playing. They're not. Well, that's only because Alabama and Texas played each other. Texas has a big 12 schedule, but Alabama is going to play, you know, whoever they get in the SEC, but they're only, you know, that that valuable game is is non-conference. All I'm saying is Georgia has the easiest road to number one. Oh, they have the easiest road to number one. And so, like, if they're number one at the end of the year, fine and dandy. I don't think there might. I don't think in my mind they would legitimately be the number one team in the nation. I think there would be a team better than them at season's end because they played such an easy schedule and they're going to get the votes because they're going to go undefeated because they're going to play the easy. They're going to play this easier schedule. But um, a good win for a good win for Georgia, nonetheless, over Kentucky. Sorry, I, I had to get a little of Georgia rant out because I, I just get so fired up over Georgia. Being an Alabama fan, it. I got to get it out. Can't like, help it. Out. Have to get it out. Uh, Big 12, Big 12, and this was a huge Big 12 matchup down. The Red River showdown um, between uh, Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma going to get this one done over Texas. Um, is, is Oklahoma all the way back? I mean, can we really... Do we- does everybody have to be back every week, Mitch? 
Can, because are they they'll back, probably like, lose next week. I mean, it's <laughs> look. It's a valid question, though. Like I they think just you asked if Texas was back last week, and then they lost to Oklahoma. But they beat the number three team in the nation. So, like, they are are they back? Are they no? Because one win doesn't mean you're back. Uh, you have to play a full season, and then you got to get to the playoff, and then you got to win a playoff game. Because Oklahoma's been to the playoff before; they haven't won a playoff game though. So well, I think that I, I think we get there. I think we could say they're back, but I got to eat crow on Oklahoma. I'm not going to lie, Mitch, because I've been out and I'm not a believer in the Sooners. I know people were pretty high on them heading into this season, and I honestly just thought they would be a above average Big 12 team, eight wins, you know, nine wins, but not, you know, a top tier competitor. But I mean, here they are knocking off Texas, uh, uh, what, six and oh now, and uh, looking all the part of, should be one of, if not the favorite in the big 12, obviously between them and Texas, they've got the head to head matchup, but I did not see Oklahoma coming. I was not a believer. And uh, I've got to eat crow on that because I was pretty blatant about that. And I mean, again, a lot of season to come. We'll see. We'll see how the second half fares for them, but that was an impressive win. It was a very, you know, and take a bite or two of that crow, but don't feast down on the whole thing down because like, look, there's a lot of people, that were not in on Oklahoma going into this season. They were just, they just weren't because they had, they had nothing to make you believe after the performance that they had last year, the first year without Lincoln Riley, that they, that they were going to be competitive or a competitive program going into this year. They had nothing to make you believe that. So um, look, a good win for Oklahoma, a bad loss for Texas. I think that this, even though Oklahoma was ranked 12th going into this game, this is, this is not a good look for Texas. I think that this bumps them. I mean, this obviously bumps them out of the top four for college football playoff conversation, but I think this puts them in the conversation of, can they really compete with the top tier level of competition in college football? Um, because they, they haven't been there for a long time and they've, built themselves up to this spot and now they've gotten beat by another top tier or a top tier program. Maybe they're not in, maybe they shouldn't be considered in this college football, college football playoff conversation. Yeah. I don't, I honestly, I don't think it affects Texas that much in in that regard. I think it more helps Oklahoma's case of being an actual playoff contender for Texas. Frankly, they just, I mean, they just have to, but they have to win out in the big 12. If they yep. do so, they'll get back to the Big 12 championship game against who? Oklahoma. And if you beat that team and you've gone 12-1 and one and your only loss is to an Oklahoma team that's probably ranked in the top six or eight, that was you know probably undefeated or a one-loss team heading into that championship game, Texas is going to have a very good case to be a playoff team. So I don't think this hurts the Longhorns in, in that regard if this compounds into another loss, if obviously this, you know, derails their season then yeah we could talk about it but this is not a bad loss they lost by four it was a one score game it was a very tight game i don't think this does uh much for texas other than mean they they can't afford another loss clearly uh another loss in conference play would for sure i think take them out of that playoff uh conversation but the path is still there for them uh they will have to win out though sure for sure for sure yeah uh last game mitch the acc uh, one of the biggest upsets of the week, Louisville, uh, number 25, Louisville knocks off the fighting Irish, uh, 33 to 20, uh, 
Jack Plummer had a good game. The quarterback, this rushing attack with Jawar Jordan was solid. And this fighting Irish team that's been able to get through some slog, slog fest. They couldn't get it done against Ohio State in that game. They got it done against Duke last week, but not enough to get it done against Louisville. An impressive win for Louisville, Mitch. I want to talk about, I want to get your thoughts on this game a little bit. Uh, and then I want to talk about Louisville in a broader uh, conversation, but I, I just do want to give us a chance to just maybe discuss or get have a chance for you to give any takeaways you had from this. Man. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a big Sam Hartman guy, and we just talked about this last yeah. week. I was a big Sam Hartman guy. Um, this guy did not, he, Sam didn't take care of the football this last week. Three interceptions this last week. Um, you know who did take care of the football, though? Jack Plummer. He took care of the football, um, and he let the rest of his offense eat. Jawar Jordan had an absolute monster game 21 for 143 and two touchdowns um i think that i bought into the false narrative after notre dame's first like big three wins of the year that like this was like notre dame was all the way back and that you know this is going to be a powerhouse top five team and you know a college football playoff contender uh now at two losses this is where somebody should eat crow down and i will eat the crow Mm-hmm. I will eat the crow on Notre Dame. Um, they're just not quite there. I think they have a lot of talent. I still think Sam Hartman is a talented quarterback. I think Audric Estime is one of the best running backs in the country. Oh, yeah. um, but the, as a team, they're top 25. They're not fo- college football playoff contenders. Yeah. And I will, I will let go of that argument. And completely eat the crow on that one. I, I will no. let go of that argument for me. I well, you know, I think that's fair. And, and listen, Mitch, you know, it's easy. Uh, but it's so hard in in college. And one of the biggest differences between college and the NFL is in the NFL, it's like, yeah, obviously you have weaker teams, you have stronger teams. We know which teams are bigger and you know better every year. But any week is a challenge to win in the NFL. Uh, every week should be a challenge to win in the NFL. So every win is valuable. And college football is different. In the beginning of the season, these wins don't mean very much, uh, frankly, because uh, we don't know much. When Notre Dame is beating up on Navy and Tennessee State and Central Michigan and they look really good, or at any of these teams for that matter, look really good at the beginning of the season, and we think, oh, well, they're proving to us what they are. Uh, once they get into that conference schedule, the meat of their schedule, once they get you know really competitive teams week in and week out, that's when we really get to see who's legit, who's not, uh, who's down for the battle, who is uh, not. And uh, this is sort of that time of the year, right? This like week six, week seven time where you're starting to, we're starting to, uh, uh, you know, separate the wheat from the tares, as they say, you know, and really, really get to see who the cream of the crop is in college football. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I do, I do want to talk about Louisville here. Uh, I, I do want to okay. talk about uh, the Cardinals because um, I was thinking about this this week. I was looking at the AP poll. I was kind of just reflecting on where we're at in the college football season. And I think there's nobody in this season that has a better case to be this year's most likely TCU, AKA a team uh, that comes from out of nowhere, seemingly at the power five ranks to make a run for the college football playoff. There's no one that has a better case to be this year's TCU than Louisville. Louisville six and zero right now. We'll get to the AP poll in a second, but they're ranked number 14 right now. They're the lowest ranked undefeated team at the power five level right now in the AP poll. 
So they're clearly, and they're behind some one-loss teams, Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss. Those are fair. Those are fair. But Ole Miss is just sitting on the outside right now. They're just kind of sitting, sitting back there, just kind of waiting, it seems like. Just kind of waiting for someone to, to, to slip, and they'll just sort of work their way up. And it feels very much like what TCU did last year. And as they continue to rack up wins in conference, and as teams can fit, continue to fall in conference play, TCU, TCU slowly made its way up and up and up the rankings until they were undefeated at the end of the season. And it was like, this is a playoff team. And the case for Louisville is this, Mitch. They just won their hardest game of the year. That was the toughest test all year was number 10 Notre Dame. And they got that win. And from here on out, the schedule goes as follows. They got Pitt. They got, or they got at Pitt. They get a host Duke. Duke's a good team. You get them at home, though. Host Virginia Tech, host Virginia. Those are both awful football teams. And then you're at Miami and home against Kentucky in the SEC to ramp up the season. There's three ranked games in there. There's three, you know, challenges, but not, you know, no Florida State in the ACC, no North Carolina in the ACC for Louisville. So you get through this and you get to that ACC championship game. And you win that thing, and we're talking about a 13-0 Louisville team that's going to be in the playoff. And uh, I just think with the way the schedule plays out with them, and considering they had an impressive win, a 33-20 win, by the way, not like a, we snuck it out in overtime win. They handled Notre Dame in that game. I think we should just start paying attention to Louisville. First-year head coach, by the way, Jeff Brom. First-year head coach, Sonny Dykes, last year. Uh, you know, I'm just, there's some, there's some interesting parallels. That's all I'm saying. I'm just keeping an eye on Louisville. Completely fair. Completely fair. I do want to look at their three ranked games, though. So it was, um, it was Miami. Oh, yeah. So they have home against Duke. Duke. That's in two weeks. Duke and then Miami and then at Miami and then home against Kentucky. Kentucky. And again, the other three games are Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and those three teams are not good. So yeah, those three teams Duke, that we're talking Miami, about, Miami, Kentucky, they can compete with Duke. They could beat oh, yeah. Miami. Oh yeah, and they can beat Kentucky. So, like, I mean, we're talking about what an eleven and one team, maybe twelve and zero team, going into this. They're six and zero right now. So, that, I, mean, I mean, that's that's not out of the realm of possibility, Dallin. I, yeah. I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at with this one. I'm just saying, keep Louisville. an eye on it again with the way their their schedule plays out. Again, avoiding Florida State avoiding North Carolina. That's huge. That's huge to avoid those top two teams. It's going to help them. They, you know, they end up undefeated at the end of the season. I mean, it seems like they have the shot. So right. exciting stuff. I love Mitch. That. Let's, let's exciting talk AP stuff. poll. How yeah, about let's that? do that. How about that? Let's do it. Let's get into the AP poll reaction down. Um, Oklahoma is going to jump seven spots into the top five. They're going to go from number 12 up to number five. Texas is going to re remain in the top 10 at number nine. Um, Louisville going to jump 11 spots. Big, big jump for Louisville up into the top 15. They're going to be ranked number 14. Notre Dame going to fall from number 10 all the way down to number 21. Then UCLA and Kansas. UCLA at number 18. Kansas to number 23. Join the rankings while Missouri and Fresno State drop out of this one. Um, Dallin, any... Any qualms that you have with this new top 25? I mean, any any things that you're upset with? Any things you, any things you want to 
iron out with them? No, not really. Um, other than Miami uh, after their loss, and we'll talk about their loss here in a little bit, but they remained ranked. I maybe would have been okay if they slipped out after what happened on Saturday, but uh, they remained in at number 25. They did fall eight spots after the loss, uh, but they did hang in there. I would have advocated for Wyoming. That's my only thing. I would advocate for Wyoming after beating Fresno state. That's a really good Wyoming team. Their lone loss is to Texas this year. I thought, you know, I would have given the Cowboys some credit and wanted to slide them in there. There's no G five team right now ranked in the top 25. So, uh, but other than that, yeah, no, nothing too crazy here. Oklahoma five. I feel good with that. Do you feel good with that? Yeah. Yeah. They've earned that. They've earned that. You have Georgia, Michigan, Ohio state, and then Florida state. That's, uh, that, that's how the top four, uh, goes ahead of them. I still think Washington and Oregon are too low, That that's just where I'm at. I think they're still too. I would have them ahead of Penn state is six. So yeah, we're going to Oklahoma five, Penn state, six, Washington, seven, Oregon, eight, obviously after their game this week, one of them's going to move up, uh, probably into that top four, I would guess. But, uh, yeah, I would have them over Penn State, maybe over Oklahoma too. Yeah. Yeah. I also think and I call me Homer. I think Alabama's too low. No, uh, yeah. I think Alabama should be over over USC. Yeah, I disagree with that. USC is undefeated. But, uh and I think they should and I understand why Texas, you know, and at 5 and 1 is in the top 10 because their lone loss came to top 5 teams, so I guess that's fine, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I get it though. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where we're at. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at that. Um, MVP week, MVP of the week, Dallin, MVP yes. of the week. Let's move on. Um, Dallin, you and I actually have the same offensive MVP of the week here with Ontario Brown uh, out of Northern Illinois university after a 55 to 14 win over Arkansas. Um, 13 carries, 280 yards and four touchdowns down. This guy was averaging 21 and a half yards per carry. <laughs> Have a day. Ontario Brown, um, Ontario Brown, excuse me. Uh, have a day. What a, what, a, what a performance from the young man out of Northern Iowa. He's my, he's my MVP of the week. Yeah, just an absolutely absurd week for Ontario Brown uh, in the win over Akron. Uh, Love to see the Mac getting a shout out here uh, on the sports hour in the MVP of the week. I do want to mention one other player because Ontario Brown was my MVP with his big week. But I do want to give a special uh, MVP shout out here to Noah Fafita, the quarterback for Arizona. Uh, A freshman who is filling in right now for Jaden Delora. Uh, who has been the starter there uh, and it looked really good to start this season. Uh, Delora gets injured. Uh, Fafita comes in against Washington was really good last week in his really first uh, real playing time. And then even better this week against USC, he threw for over 300 yards, completed 71% of his passes, five touchdowns and one interception for the freshman against the Trojans, against Caleb Williams, the defending Heisman winner in USC, taking him to triple overtime for Arizona. I just loved that performance from him. I thought he had the best performance of the week, considering the stage, considering his young career, uh, and filling in for a starter. A big game for Noah Fafita. wanted to give him a shout-out here. Love that shout-out. Love that shout-out, Dallin. 
Um, upset game of the week down Georgia Tech getting it done over number or getting it done over Miami 23 to 20. Uh, Miami going into this game was a 19 point favorite, 19 point favorite for Miami. Um, getting the three point loss against Georgia Tech, and I gotta tell you, Dallin, it might be the biggest upset of the week, but I this is this is worthy. Of the pit of misery. This is worthy of the pit of misery. This is worthy of the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. And I'll tell you why right now. Miami. Got a three point lead. 20 to 17. Under a minute left. Why the fuck. Are you running the football? Georgia Tech doesn't have any timeouts left. Why the fuck are you running the football? Why? Why? Why are you running the football? Kneel it out. Game done. It's over. Why are you kneeling out the football? You could be an undefeated team right now. You're not sitting top. You're not sitting at the bottom of the top 25. You're sitting in the top 15. Why are you kneeling? Why aren't you kneeling out the football, Miami? Mario Cristobal is going to be actually part of this introduction into the pit of misery dilly dilly this is just this is this is abysmal play calling abysmal clock management abysmal everything football why wasn't miami just kneeling the game out yeah yeah dilly dilly uh this is absurd they literally handed the win away uh handed the win over to georgia tech and said here you take it we're gonna give you a shot and credit georgia tech for forcing the fumble and then and then scoring the touchdown to freaking win the dang thing. But it should have never even came to it because it didn't need to because they could have just knelt the game out. And then that is uh, just absurd. Just uh, uh, that's a fireable offense. I mean, that's just crazy. What are we doing? Uh, insane. So, yeah, pit of misery more than more than warranted here. Are you are you officially calling for Mario Cristobal to get fired? From no, Miami? I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that's the kind of mistake that you cannot make. And when you lose recruits like Jaden Rashada over two million dollar uh, NIL deals, and then that falls through, and now you look like an idiot, and then Florida lost him. Now he's in Arizona State. I mean, it's not like it's been great. Miami was supposed to be good last year. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of reasons to have a job uh, if the season doesn't go well. This is no. not going to help his case. I guess that's right. I guess you're right, Dallin. I'm not calling for his job, though. Don't make me do it. Not yet? Not yet? Not yet. Okay, all right. Well, I'll hold you to that. Maybe maybe <laughs> later down the road, maybe we'll be calling for his job. But in the meantime, Dallin, that will lead us into the college football trivia question of the week presented by absolutely nobody. Dallin, are you ready? Are you yes. ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was waiting for response. It felt uh, like a cliffhanger. I was waiting uh, for the rest. Oh, no. Sorry. I was, I was... <laughs> anyway, uh, this does have to do with Georgia Tech and Miami. Dallin, the only time that Georgia Tech and Miami met in a bowl game was 2000. With Miami winning twenty-eight to thirteen in the Gator Bowl, mm. Miami had this future NFL offensive coordinator at quarterback during that game. Mm. That is a good one. That is a good one. You know, not many times Georgia Tech's been really good in football. 
No, they haven't had. You know, they have. A, they're they're one of like those college the, football programs that has a deep, deep history of success. Like but twenties, thirties, forties, yeah, yeah, like a yeah. hundred years ago. But in yeah. our in anybody's conceivable, you know, lifetime, uh, yeah, Georgia Tech hasn't really done much. Uh, but I believe we are looking for Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. We are looking for offensive co- offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. That Let's is go. the answer, Donald. Well done. Let's go. Uh, well done. Feels good to get a win in these. I haven't got many. I haven't got many of the trivia questions of the week right. So, uh, hey, I love it. I love it. Way to go, buddy. Way to go. Way to go. Nice. Um, Heisman watch, Dallin. Let's get into the Heisman watch, shall we? Yeah. So, uh, we started this last week. We will be updating our rankings. And for those who weren't around last year, every week on the sports hour through the uh, end of the season, we'll be giving you our top five rankings in the Heisman. Mitch and I agree on this list beforehand. So uh, last week to recap you, these were the rankings uh, starting at the top. Number one, Caleb Williams two Michael Penix, three Bo Nix four Dylan Gabriel and five Quinn Ewers. And now as we head into uh, week seven, as we wrapped up week six of college football, these are our, Heisman rankings starting at the top. We have again, number one, Caleb Williams. Number two also stays the same with Michael Penix Jr. A new number three with Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback out of Oklahoma. Number four, Bo Nix, the Oregon quarterback. And number five, new to the rankings, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from LSU. So Gwen Ewers falls out after the loss in the Red River rivalry. Dylan Gabriel uh, gets a little bump up because of that. Moves up to number three from four. And Jaden Daniels, I think deservedly so, moves into this rankings. Feel good about these? I really do. I really do. I And we talked about this before the show, but like, I feel like Caleb Williams and Michael Penix are pretty, like, you could, you could swap the two for me, and yeah. I'd feel comfortable with this. Yeah. I really love what Michael Penix has been doing with Washington. Um, he's just been so, so, so efficient. Um and he's been careful with the football. He hasn't been turning it over. The guy's just been, he has been your, like your dream quarterback. And I feel almost sacrilegious saying this about a left-handed quarterback, but <laughs> he has been your prototype quarterback. Like this guy just takes care of the football. He's extremely efficient when he passes it. And you know what? This is what you look for in an NFL ready quarterback and 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 a Heisman quarterback. So um, Michael Penix for me um, could be number one, could be number two, because Caleb Williams has absolutely had the numbers. Um, And then from three down to five, um, we do have to get the shout out to Jalen Daniels. I mean, he has just played exceptionally well in an LSU in an LSU program. That's very been. Yeah, it's been really up and down. not really sure where that program sits, if they're ready to win now or not, uh, but he seems to keep them afloat. So I do have to give the shout out there to Jalen Daniels, number five. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think Dylan Gabriel, you know, I'm glad we included him last week. And I mentioned this, not a guy that was on my radar before I started just compiling, you know, the quarterbacks that we should be looking at. And he immediately popped and you real, and I realized we got to include this guy. Glad we did because he proved to us in that game uh, why he should be in consideration. I think deservedly number three in this case. Now, um, give me one name on the outside that you're just keeping an eye on. Maybe they shouldn't be in it yet, but they're 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 creeping. You, you think there's maybe a, a little bit of a case or somebody you should keep an eye on 
Uh, anybody stick out right now? I mean, I still think we have to keep an eye on Shadur Sanders. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like, you know, this team, the Buffs are not going to be a top 25 team maybe by the end of the year, but I think we really need to keep an eye on what this guy is doing. I think JT Daniels out of Rice, we need to keep an eye on. This guy's had an exceptionally efficient year start to the year. Um, But when we're looking like outside of the quarterback position, rushing-wise, look at Jonathan Brooks out of Texas. Jonathan Brooks out of Texas. He's one away for 726 and you know it's six touchdowns, seven point six a carry right now. This guy is exceptionally efficient with the football when he gets the ball. Um I think that there is there's multiple guys on defense. Jonah Ellis, you got a guy that you mentioned just a couple weeks ago. Um, someone to keep an eye on. Um there there are multiple different guys that we should keep an eye on going into uh going to the Heisman watch as we wind down the year. Cool. Should we go to the games to watch? Yeah, let's get into the games to watch, Dallin. And look, both of us, we tied last week. One point uh, last week. You are still leading 13 to 9. And let's get in to the game, the games that we're going to pick this week, starting off with number 10, USC 6 and 0. Number 10, USC, they're going to head over to uh, number 21, Notre Dame, 5-2. and two. Notre Dame right now favorite at – favorite as the home – you know, their home favorites at minus 2.5. Um, Dallin, why don't you go, go go ahead and kick us off with these picks? Oh, you're going to give me the pick here first. Yeah, I am. You don't want to make this one, huh? Is that what this is? Nope, I don't. All righty, Mitch. Uh, I thought about this earlier. I looked at these games. Uh, I feel like I may regret doing this, but I am taking the Trojans, and this is my lock for the week. I am locking the Trojans to win this game in an upset in South Bend uh, because on one hand, and I mentioned this, that I'm just not a big believer in Notre Dame as a as a top-tier contender. Again, top 25 team, yeah, really good team, absolutely, but if USC is going to be a title, a playoff contender, they've got to win this game. This is uh, one of the biggest games for them this year, especially on the road in South Bend. Good test, good resume builder. Got to get this done, and I think the Trojans will do it. They will falter in Pac-12 play, but they will not falter against Notre Dame. So I'm locking this one. Yeah, I like USC as well. I'm not going to lock this game, though. I'm not going to lock this game. Um, I think this it's just a scary lock. It's a scary lock. I don't like locking USC at two and a half. Um, but um, I, I think that USC will pull this one out when it's all said and done. There you go. Next up, Mitch SEC matchup four and two Texas A&M headed to Neyland stadium to take on number 19, Tennessee, the Vols four and one on the season. They're favored at home. Minus. Three and a half. Do I have to give you the honors now or do I get a? No, you can I... give me the honors. You can give me the honors if you want. I don't want to. I'd rather just. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't want to get take over it. it. I... Okay. I'll just take a Tennessee in this one. Okay. Um, I think Texas A&M has shown some, some fight. Uh, they haven't been, you know, a bottom tier team. I'm not a big believer in Jimbo Fisher and what that program is. Do you think Tennessee is going to be competitive in the SEC? Not at the level of Georgia, not at the level of probably Alabama, 
in the top tier, but in that next tier for sure. So give me the balls. Okay. I look, I'm going to take Texas A&M. Okay. I'm going to lock it. Oh, I'm going to lock Texas A&M at plus three and a half. I think they get this upset done. Tennessee is good. I think Texas A&M is better. And they're one of the best unranked teams right now in the country. And I think Texas A&M gets themselves in that conversation of the top 25 this week. They get this done over Tennessee. I like Texas A&M in a lock over this one. Wow. We both took underdog locks this week. In a week, too, when all these lines are actually not, like, egregious. They're not, like, horrible to work with, you know? We we can actually, like, it's not like an eight-point you know, favorite or, you know, where we have to commit to a full touchdown. We've got some three points some two and a half point or, you know, lines. We took underdogs. I like yeah. that. I, I like yeah. that. And Absolutely. look at you caping for the sec West. Of course you would and loyal to Alabama and loyal to the sec West division picking a and M over Tennessee. I'm not loyal to the sec West. I'm I only loyal you. to Alabama. Okay. But fuck Tennessee. <laughs> anyway, um, moving forward, um, Dallin, a Pac-12 matchup. Uh, number eight, Oregon's five and zero against number seven, Washington, five and zero. Undefeated matchup. Someone's walking away with a loss in this one. Or we're Washington right now favored at three points. This might be the toughest game to pick. Oh yeah, this, this might be the toughest game to pick all week long. Um. I'm going to go with Oregon. I'm going to go with Oregon. I'm a big believer in the Ducks. I think that they've got a real special thing going on over there. I think that they're a very legitimate college college football playoff contender. Um, They've got the offense to get it done. Washington, I think, might get stymied just a little bit by that Oregon defense. So I'm going to go with the Washington offense basically over the Washington offense in this one. Give me the Ducks. Okay, Mitch rolling with Oregon. This is game of the week in college football, a top 10 matchup. I mean, this is this is big time right here up in the Northwest. Washington at home. And listen, Mitch, I picked the Huskies in our college football preview to not only win the Pac-12, but to go to the college football playoff. And I am not wavering from that today. Give me Washington in this game. Huskies get it done at home. I I was, this would have been my lock. If I wasn't going to go with USC, I would have locked Washington at three points. That would have been a good lock. That would have been a really good lock. The line, I just felt like a field goal win. Yeah, I could do that. You know, anything more like four points. I was going to feel like, I don't know, too much. It's a, it's that's a pretty, a, it's a pretty line. It's a pretty it's a line. To take. Essentially, right? Because when you're Washington, the home team, usually, you know, you give them three points. So, you know, it's basically neutral site pick them. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, that'll be a great one. That'll be oh, a really yeah. good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mitch, ACC matchup. Ranked matchup, number 25, Miami, coming off the uh, embarrassing loss to Georgia Tech. They're taking on Drake May and the Tar Heels. Uh, number 12, North Carolina, undefeated North Carolina, taking on Miami. And the Tar Heels favored minus three and a half at home in this one. I am not a believer in this Miami team. I wasn't before the debacle against the Yellow Jackets. 
of Georgia Tech, but uh, certainly not afterwards. <laughs> um, and uh, I do think UNC is a very good team in the ACC this year. So give me North Carolina, get this done at home. I think North Carolina's a very good team. I think they're a top 20 team. I also think the same thing about Miami. Miami's got to get another win to stay in that top 25, mm. stay in the top 20 conversation. Give me Miami to get this one wow. done over UNC. They have to get a loss somewhere, and I think they get it done against a very competitive Miami Hurricanes team. I like Miami in this matchup. I like it. Um, Let's finish this up with another Pac-12 matchup down. The Pac-12. The Pac-12. So, so, so competitive. And we have another big matchup here. Number 18, UCLA matching up against number 15, Oregon State. Oregon State right now favorite at minus four and a half. Um, I'm a big believer in Oregon State. I have been that since the beginning of the year. Since the preseason, I will remain a big believer in Oregon State. Give me the Beavs in this one over the Bruins. I love this matchup for Oregon State. Another big win to just further push themselves into the top 10 of college football. Yeah, I'm, I will take Oregon State as well. You know, US, UCLA, obviously, with the impressive win over Wazoo. Um, Oregon State also had an impressive win over Wazoo. Uh, or no, wait, Oregon State lost to Wazoo. This is this is like the love triangle in the Pac-12. You beat them, and then they beat us, and then we beat you, and then exactly, <laughs> exactly, the cycle yeah. goes. But this Oregon State team is good. They had a good win against Utah. Uh, one of the the best defense in the Pac-12, I believe. Uh, yeah, I'll go with the Beavs. I love it. Love. We love, have quite love a few it. different picks this week. Obviously, you know the USC. And the Oregon States were the same, but every other game, a little different. We different picks. I like it. I love it. Down. I, I. I mean, look. I just got. I got to make some points up against you, man. I got to make some points up against you because I forgot how to pick college football games. You've been kicking my ass the entire year. Now I have to make up some points up here. I'm four down. It, it's time to make some moves. Time to make some moves. <laughs> um, Dallin. Before we get into the mid roll, we got a little. We got some. Uh, some brain joggers, I guess, if you will, um, before we get into uh, the mid the mid roll and the NFL recap. And we're going to play some games here. Um, let's start off with a little bit of who the hell is that? Um, for those of you that are new to the podcast, let me let me just uh, give you a little recap of what's going on here. I'm going to give Dallin the career path of a former athlete. Um. And he's going to have to tell me who that former athlete is. Now, if he guesses that former athlete, I give him three other clues to help him get there. But that is how this game works. Dallin, are you ready for a little bit of who the hell is that? I think so. Let's do it. All right. Let's start with the career path, Dallin. This former NFL player. His career path is Chicago. Philadelphia, or sorry, Chicago, Philadelphia, Miami, New Orleans. Chicago, Philadelphia, Miami, New Orleans. Hmm. Lance Briggs. No, not no. 
Not Lance Briggs, not Lance Briggs. I will tell you, because you've been so good at nailing these down over the last couple of weeks, I did go a little bit harder with this one. Okay. So um, this one-time Pro Bowler. So I've forgotten All-Star. Hell yeah. I've forgotten All-Star a little, a little bit. crossover episode here. <laughs> Had his lone Pro Bowl in his rookie year in 2016. When he rushed for 1,313 yards, six touchdowns with the Chicago Bears. Mm. Jordan Howard. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, that that's. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Jordan Howard. Yeah. Jordan Howard. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Well done, Dallin. I oh, man. Didn't think we were going to get that that quick. I thought Jordan Howard was going to be someone that like you might forget about a little. I don't bit. know why that one came to my mind. You know, sometimes it's like you sit there and it's like nothing comes. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, there it is. There's sometimes that nugget. Flicks. I love it. I love That's it. great. Yeah, what Jordan else do you Howard. got? I want to hear. I want to hear the rest. Okay, so I was going to go with um, yeah. He had back to back 1,000 rushing yard seasons in his in his career, but that became in his first two years in the NFL man. Um, he never once eclipsed over 600 yards after the third season of, of his career. Um, <laughs> Jordan Howard was very much like a flash in the pan rookie type guy. A one um, hit wonder. Yeah. Very, very well done that you got this guy. Very well. Thanks done. man. Let's go. Love All it, right. Love we'll it, keep, let's keep the good mojo going and forgotten all-star. Cause it's your turn now to make the guess here on the, on the guys. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Mitch holds up, but yeah, forgotten all-star long time segment. We like this one. It's been a minute. I'm going to give Mitch uh, the, the resume of a all-star player and he's going to have to give us uh, the name of the player we're looking for. So pretty straightforward, right. Mitch, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We're looking for a former NFL player. So, okay. Okay. Your three hints to start, Mitch. This uh, two-time Pro Bowler played 10 years in the NFL with two teams. Uh, started his career in the AFC. Ended his career in the NFC. Uh, this uh, SEC linebacker was drafted in the second round of his draft. Oh boy. We'll start there. I got to obviously I got some more hints for you, but let's let's start there and then we'll we'll start narrowing it down. Started his career in the NFC, ended it in the AFC. No, opposite. Sorry. If I said that wrong, I apologize. Started okay. his career in the AFC, ended his career in the NFC. All right. An SEC linebacker. Did you give the year that he was drafted? Did not. Uh, Not yet. Mm. Started in the AFC, ended in the NFC. Mm. This is... Ooh. I'm just going to start with Sean Merriman. Okay. It's a good place to start. 
I didn't give you a lot to start. It's going to get better as we go, but we got to get a, somewhere, a baseline. Right. Sean Merriman, not correct. We'll go on to the hint here, your first hint. Uh, this player, uh, is, his best season came as a rookie in 2006, where he won Defensive Rookie of the Year. 2006 Rookie of the Year. Hmm. Gosh darn it. 2006 rookie of the year. <laughs> this is a tough one, Dallin. Um started in the AFC, ended in the NFC. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. This is probably too early. Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor is the guess. I like the guess. It's not correct, but I like the guess. We got one more guess for Mitch and therefore one more hint. And I think this is probably the best hint that you're that you'll get. And that is that this player is currently a coach in the National Football League. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that did it. That did it. Um, damn, that's... I should have gotten this one earlier. Sorry. Um, is this D'Amico Ryans? <laughs> it is D'Amico yeah, Ryans yeah. is who we're looking for. Yeah, two-time yeah. pro bowler. Started his career with the Houston Texans, played six years with the Texans, finished his career with the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. Four seasons in Philly. Uh, def defensive rookie of the year as a rookie, 156 combined tackles, three and a half sacks, an interception. It's arguably his best year. It was a two time Pro Bowler. Both of those came in Houston. And uh, yeah. Sure, a 10 year career, not a super long career. Uh, and man, when it flashed at the beginning, those first three or four seasons are incredible, and then you know, just kind of faded out. Obviously, now he's head coach of those Houston Texans and doing a fantastic job over there. We love D'Amico Ryan's, but uh, yeah, there you go. Well done, D'Amico Ryan's the most handsome man in the NFL by far. I Ooh, mean, over Jimmy G, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm over big, Travis Kelsey now, you know, I am a big D'Amico. I'm a big D'Amico Ryan's guy. That guy is just so much more handsome than anyone else <laughs> in the NFL by far, by far. I love it. I love it. Well, there you go. By that's far. forgotten all-star. And that's uh, in fact, that's going to do it for the first half of the podcast here. We're going to take a break and hit the mid roll. When we come back, we'll get into our quarter mark superlatives. Take a look at the first five weeks of the NFL season and give you an idea of what we know, maybe what we don't know, uh, what stuck out to us. And then as always wrapping it up with our quick picks uh, at the uh, end of the show. So uh, stick around and we'll be right back.
Welcome back. Welcome back after that smooth jazz from D.O.P.E. Love, love, love that contribution down. Great mixing over there. Um, let's get in down to a little NFL recap. And we're going to do this a little bit differently this week because it is the quarter mark of the season. It is the one quarter mark. We have to start talking about some NFL MVP considerations. Maybe who's the biggest surprise? Maybe who's a disappointment? We got some different superlatives that we're going to be talking about going in uh, to the first quarter of the NFL season. And Dallin, I would like to kick it off with our quarter mark MVP. Who's the guy that we, I mean, who do we think is there as far as MVP goes um, in the NFL through the first quarter mark of the season? Do I get to go first? Yeah, you get to go first. Sorry. I oh, think, no. I, I didn't mean to lead you up. I don't, I don't, you know, if, there. I don't know if I want to go first. Uh, I, I mean, think, I can honestly, go first. Honestly, I think this was the toughest a, a little superlative for me to, like, decide on. Um, oh, for sure. As, yeah. as great as a lot of players have been in this NFL season, as interesting as it's been, I don't feel like through five weeks we have a clear, definitive – this guy's the MVP, you know, this guy is, is doing it, you know, and I feel like for most years we do at least have one or two names where it's like, yeah, it's gotta be one of these guys. Uh, I feel like this year, not so much. Nobody super clearly stands out, but if I have to give it to somebody and I do think that he has a pretty strong case for it, I think I would give it to the quarterback to a tongue of Iloa of the Miami dolphins. That is my MVP pick. Mm. For our quarter and our quarter superlatives. I think you have a strong case for that. I mean, this is the most explosive offense in all of football, right? I mean, this they have the 70 point performance uh, over the Broncos. The, Tua is just, he's, he's got all the weapons at his disposal, right? I mean, this guy's just, he's living the life as an NFL quarterback. He, he finally has the protection around him. He's got all the weapons at his disposal. He's got two or three running backs that he hand the ball off, and they are complete burners. That's not who I'm giving the the MVP to, though. I'm giving it to one Brock Purdy. Wow. Okay. Brock Purdy is going to be my MVP through the quarter of the year. Uh, look, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, the guy is still ten and zero as a starter at the NFL level. Um, we look, we look at his quarterback rating. We look at, I mean, this guy was started less than half the year last year. He was still third in offensive rookie of the year voting. This guy has continued to build upon the resume that he had at the end of the year last year. And, it's just unmatched. I mean, this he is the best quarter. He is the quarterback on the best team in the NFL right now, and he is pr- passing and keeping the ball safe at a prolific rate. I have to, I have to give this to Brock Purdy. Have to. Yeah, I, I, I think he has a fair argument. If you look at most advanced metrics and stats, uh, I think it's pretty clear that Brock Purdy and Tua are the top two quarterbacks in the league so far this season. Uh, you know, you look at like, for example, average, you know, yards per pass attempt. Those guys are top two. Uh, Purdy doesn't have quite the volume 
Tua leads the league in passing yards, 1,600. Brock Purdy's eighth with 1,200, but he's thrown 30 less passes. Obviously, doesn't need to. Both these guys at around 72% uh, completion percentage right now. Tua's got 11 touchdowns to five picks. Brock Purdy, nine touchdowns, as you said, to zero picks. Uh, and I think they both have a pretty strong case, and those were kind of the two quarterbacks that I even considered. I didn't really look at anybody else, frankly. I will say, though, the one honorable mention I did add was a Niner, and it wasn't Brock Purdy. It was Christian McCaffrey. Because, uh, mm-hmm. frankly, I think he might have a stronger case than Purdy because he has been an offensive catalyst. Now, obviously, Purdy has done everything asked of him at the quarterback position, and the quarterback position is extremely valuable. But, uh, you know, you look at rushing numbers. Uh, McCaffrey leads the league in that right now, and that's not even to include what he adds in the passing game. So I think McCaffrey would have a very strong case as well. But I like I like the Purdy pick here. I will say, I did look this up. Because this was part of my decision-making on Tua. Because, again, as I said, I, this was a tough one. I, I wavered back and forth quite a bit on this. Right now, he's averaging 322.8 passing yards a game. We know how explosive this Miami Dolphins offense is. That's incredible. If you extrapolate that out over 17 games, uh, then Tua Tonga-Valoa, if he keeps this up, will end the season with 5,487 yards it would break the NFL record for a single season passing yard. So if that's the kind of season two is in store for, even with 15 picks, you know, even with less efficiency than other guys, that's going to be a pretty strong case for MVP. Yeah, it is, but he has to keep the pace. I mean, he has to keep the pace. And if we're at the halfway mark, three quarters mark, and he's still there, then absolutely. I mean, just get Brock Purdy out of the conversation. But like, you know, it, it, that's what's fun about the quarter mark uh, conversations is like we can have these conversations about guys that are like on pace for something huge um, and speculate about whether they're going to continue that pace. Um, but yeah, Tua completely capable of doing that. I just don't see that forthcoming uh, in the future. Um, let's get into the uh, the next award that we have at our quarter mark, which is going to be the biggest surprise down. Biggest surprise, maybe it's maybe a team, a player, a coaching staff, an organization as a whole that you didn't expect to be in the position that they are right now. Dallin, what is your biggest surprise so far of 2023? Uh, you know, my I'm going to say this is the biggest surprise, but I'm saying it's not my biggest surprise because someone was trying to tell you even before the NFL draft to keep an eye on Puka Nakua. And what has he done in his NFL career, Mitch? What has he done in his short NFL career? Just set records. Just be on pace for crazy rookie numbers. He's leading the league in targets, Mitch. Nobody has been thrown to more this season than Puka Nakua. And there's not anybody in the world, including Puka Nakua, who thought that was possible heading into the season. Uh, He's outpacing Jamar Chase and the Justin Jeffersons and everybody. And yes, it's because Cup is out. But Cup came back last week and Nakua was right there, an integral part of that Rams offense. This kid is legit. He's here to stay. He's earned his spot. He's earned his keep. 63 targets leads the league. 46 receptions leads the league. 572 receiving yards, second to only Tyreek Hill. 
two touchdowns. Puka Nakua is legit. Uh, and he uh, he's a fifth-round draft pick. It doesn't get any more surprising than that. It doesn't get any more left field out of that. And again, you could have saw it coming if you're paying attention in the offseason with the Rams and everything going on, but nobody saw this. Nobody saw, you know, being tops in the league in this. It's it's incredible. So, yeah, for me, I went with Puka. Dallin, you know I'm in a particular fantasy football league where my team was garbage, and I drafted Puka Nakua, and Puka Nakua has wound up to be my wide receiver too in that league. And Dallin, I could not agree with you more that he is one of the biggest surprises of the entire NFL season. I do though have to shift a little bit of focus over to the Houston Texans, a team that we thought was going to be like a two, three win team. When we were talking about our, our way too early NFL predictions, a team that we weren't really very confident at all in. But C.J. Stroud has looked really, really good. Nico Collins and him have formed a connection. This is a team This is a team that offensively has really started to come together. Defensively, they still got some holes to work out, a lot of holes to work out. But offensively, this is a team that's going to keep them in the ballgame, a team that could win five, six, seven ballgames. I really like Houston as one of the shot, as one of the uh, – the surprises as far as um, performance going into the first quarter of the season. Yeah. Houston's a good one, Mitch. You know, I, I think they've definitely been a surprise this year for sure. Um, you know, I, I picked them to go seven and 10 before this season. I thought they would be, you know, somewhat competitive, but I mean, just frankly, how good CJ Stroud has looked in this Houston Texans offense, I think, is one of the biggest surprises. We know how much young talent they have. And, you know, you thought, okay, well, maybe they'll progress throughout the season and they'll have a really strong second half of the year that they sort of, you know, build into 2024. But they're starting off hot. CJ Stroud is on record paces right now for a rookie quarterback, and he's looking extremely efficient. Well worth the pick that they spent on him at the se- at number two overall. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that pick for Houston. Definitely been uh, a very pleasant surprise this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Biggest disappointment, though. I'll let you go first here. Uh, what's the biggest disappointment for you so far? I I have I, I have Denver slash Sean Payton, Russell Wilson is pretty much what I got. Um, look, this whole thing has been a complete disaster over there in Denver. Complete, complete disaster. Um, you bring in Sean Payton, a offensive guru, a guy that has done awesome things with, with Drew Brees and that New Orleans Saints offense for so many years. They got the Super Bowl done. Um, he gets Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, the guy that struggled last year under Nathaniel Hackett, and he hasn't been able to figure anything out. They seem to be clashing heads ever since they showed up. This has been the biggest disappointment. I mean, why can't you just figure something out offensively in Denver with two great offensive minds in Sean Payton and Russell Wilson? It just seems like it's a a complete lost cause over there for me in Denver. Yeah. um, You know, I do think, obviously, the Denver not off to a good start. One in four. Uh, when you're on the uh, receiving end of the worst loss of the season and one of the worst losses in NFL history, the 70 to 20 beatdown, 
Uh, that's certainly not going to help your case here, though. Uh, but I am going to defend a little bit. Well, no, not not a little bit. I'm going to defend a lot of it, this uh, Denver offense, because frankly, it's not the offense's fault, Mitch. It's the defense. This defense has given up 181 points this season. They're last in the NFL in that regard. And yes, 70 of those points came from Miami, but you could take those 70 out, and this isn't a top 10 defense. The offense, meanwhile, 10th right now in points scored per game at 24.2 points per game. Russell Wilson's actually having a pretty nice season statistically. He's He's doing pretty good, all things considered. Uh, but this defense has been a massive disappointment, and they have execution problems up the wazoo. And, you know, we, he like Sean Payton wanted to talk all offseason about how bad of a job Nathaniel Hackett did as a head coach. And, oh, you know, this is one of the worst coaching jobs in history. Well, his team looks more undisciplined than anybody's, right? They have as many issues as anybody else has. So I, I, I agree with you and a disappointment in just that, you thought Sean Payton would bring a stability to this team and it looks as dysfunctional as it did last year. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no change in what Sean Payton brought to the table. There's no change whatsoever. Um, no matter how much he tried to get uh, Russ out of the parking lot with his own special parking spot, you know, there's, there's nothing that, none of that changed. None of that changed. There's still a lot, a lot to be solved in Denver. That that's for sure. Um, when we talk about the biggest question mark, though, Dallin, because that's going to be the oh, I've got a disappointment. Talk. I still haven't. Oh, do you have a disappointment? Okay, okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, my uh, my biggest disappointment. I'll just go quick here. It's the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, two and three. I mean, the record's not like horrible. They're not zero and five, obviously, but this is uh, I mean, this should be a Super Bowl contending team. This was my pick for the Super Bowl before the season. I went all in on Cincinnati. Uh, and they just frankly haven't looked good again, two and three. They've got a win over the Rams 19 to 16 that, I mean, they really, that was an, a fully defensive win. The Cincinnati Bengals defense was just harassing the Rams in that game. Uh, and then they beat the Cardinals last week. And those are the two wins on the season. Got blown out by Tennessee, blown out by Cleveland, lost a close one to Baltimore. Uh, Joe Burrow is not healthy and that hasn't helped T Higgins can't catch a pass. And now he's not healthy. Uh, this team is just not got good vibes right now. And if this is a playoff team, if this is a contender, they got to turn things around quick. They cannot, uh, you know, they can't wait much longer. They got Seattle this week and then a bye. And then they've got the Niners and the Bills and the Texans and the Ravens as the next four games. So it's it's uh, it's kind of time to figure things out in Cincinnati if they're going to contend in the AFC. Yeah, it's definitely time to figure that out. Um and, you know, I, I think more so than that AFC South, uh, AFC North, we got to look at the AFC South. And like when we talk about the biggest question mark here, because like there's a lot of question marks that are going to go with the AFC North, the AFC South. The biggest question mark that I got is who's going to win the AFC South? Who's going to win that? Who's going to win that? Conf who's going to win that conference? Who's going to win that division? I mean, we got the Jacks at three and two. We got the Colts at three and two. We got the Texans at two and three. The Tet Titans at two and three. The Titans have been constant contenders in that division. Um, the Texans seem to be constant um, risers within that division. And the Colts and Jags, they've been swapping blows over the last couple of weeks. So I, I think when it comes to the biggest question mark that I got in right now at the quarter mark of the season, who's going to win the AFC South? 
Yeah, I agree. In fact, that's exactly what I put down was the AFC oh. South. Uh, I think that's the biggest question mark right now because, frankly, I think any four of these teams could win the division, and I wouldn't be surprised at this point in the season. And I don't think, you know, with uh, two rookie quarterbacks and as good as Jacksonville looked last year and the uh, what we feel like is the in, the imminent decline of the Titans and Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, uh, I didn't think we would be so wide open even at this point, still early in the season, but even five weeks in, did not anticipate it being this wide open. But frankly, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if any one of these teams walked away as the division winner in 2023 at this point. And I did not feel that way heading into this season. So definitely uh, the biggest question mark is who is going to emerge in these next couple of weeks, who can really kind of get themselves out ahead of this division. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Best team. Best team. Best team in the league. Do, do we have much debate here, Dallin? Do we have much debate here? I mean, I think there's uh I think there's a question, sure. Okay. I mean, I got San Francisco down as this one. Okay. I got San Francisco. I mean, just the 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 complete they're just the most well rounded team in all of football. They're the most complete team in football defensively offensively when you're looking at Brock Purdy one of the guys that we just talked about as one of our MVPs for the quarter mark of the season as possibly your weakest link in your offense and you're not even talking about your defense having a weakest link uh yeah you're sitting in a pretty good position so I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers right now as our best team uh through the quarter I think we got a freeze here. I don't know if I'm frozen or Mitch is frozen, but uh, we will keep going here. My uh, my best team in the uh, NFL, I'm not going with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I actually went with the Philadelphia Eagles with my pick. And I think obviously the Niners are a very obvious one. They've been extremely dominant. I think why I ended up with Philadelphia is I feel like I didn't think Philadelphia would be this good this early this year. Obviously, they're a contender in the AFC, NFC. Obviously, they're one of the best teams, but they lost their offensive and defensive coordinators this offseason. Both those guys gone. That's a lot of turnaround. That's a lot of turnover. And you're coming off of a disappointing Super Bowl loss. How would that team bounce back at the beginning of the season with new leadership in, in place. And yeah, a lot of these guys, you know, Brian Johnson's elevated from Q QB coach. He was in the building, sure. But first time OC, I mean, there's a lot of new there. And I thought that it would take some time for Philly to sort of figure things out, but they would, be, you know, find their form come season's end. But they look basically at season's form right now. And they, you know, were a little shaky to start the season. It wasn't perfect, but I, this Eagles team is extremely talented. Jalen Hurts looks as good as ever. They add DeAndre Swift to this, and he looks incredible. He looks just as good as what they were getting from Miles Sanders last year, if not better. Uh, you've got 
Jalen Carter, this rookie that they get gifted to them in the first round of this draft, and he looks like an absolute monster on the defensive line to add to all the talent they already have. And I just look at this Philly team like, yeah, they just seem like they're set to be back in the Super Bowl. And yeah, I know San Francisco's over there, and those two Titans are set to clash at some point in the playoffs, but I I don't know. I, I ended up picking Philly. I think they're a coin flip. I don't think there's like a wrong answer between the two. I certainly understand why you and a lot of people would say San Francisco right now, but I'm very impressed with Philly. Mainly, again, I think because I thought it would not look quite as good to start, and they have impressed me. Can I say that I said San Francisco to keep my girlfriend happy and not say Philadelphia because she's a San Francisco 49ers fan? Could I say that? Mm, I um, mean, you can say whatever you want. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We didn't hear it, um, though. <laughs> no, not not on here, not on this podcast. A- absolutely not. Um, but no, I do believe I I do agree with you. Like the, the Eagles are just they're they're a fantastic football team, and they just are so well put together. And you know what? They're built for the future. They are built for the future with all the young talent that they have. So um, I love that take that you have. Worst team, Dallin. Worst team. I mean, come on. Let come on. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna this let is, you have the floor. You have you uh, let me have the floor. Easy. You let me have the floor a couple weeks ago. I'm gonna let you have the floor now. I'm not even. I'm not even mad, Mitch. I'm not. And I see so many fans, Carolina Panthers fans, that are out here just losing their goddamn minds over the fact that this team is bad. And I'm sitting here like we have a first year staff with one of the worst offensive rosters in the league a rookie quarterback. We've got half our offensive line injured already. Our quarterback has nobody to throw to. And we're shocked that we suck. Like, what, like, what are we, what are we doing? We don't, this Carolina is not a franchise that can complain when we're bad. All right. If green Bay wins five games this year and Packers fans want to gripe about what it's like to lose. I get it. You guys aren't used to it. This is new to you understandable Panthers fans. We've had two win seasons. We've had really bad seasons. Now we've also been to two super bowls. And then that gives people a false idea that we should be this contending franchise that we are just not. And certainly not at this point in the rebuild. I don't know what the gripe is. We're Owen five. We suck. I wish we weren't Owen five. We could have certainly won some of these games. And I think that's what's frustrating for fans is that, you know, we have chances in some of these and we're just not doing it. But this is a bad team, and we were supposed to be a bad team. I'm not going to be so shocked. Now, I am disappointed. Absolutely. I'm hurt. I wish I had pride in my team right now. I don't have very much of it, but I'm not shocked. Yeah, the Panthers are the worst team in the league, Mitch. I mean, I'm I'm glad you had honesty. I'm glad you had honesty there. Because um, I, ha- I, I had to have it a couple weeks ago. So I... I, I <laughs> I, I appreciate the honesty. And you know what? I, I, I'm not going to agree with you, though. I'm not going to agree with you. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. Wow. Thank you. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. I mean, this team is 55 points through the first five weeks of the <laughs> season while giving up 131. Wow. They're one and four. I know they're not zero and five, but they're one and four. And you know what? I have a lot of faith in Brock in Bryce Young. I have a lot of faith in Bryce Young because, like, 
me being an Alabama guy, of course, roll tide. Sure. I have <laughs> I have to have my faith in my guy. But like he's had some good performances, even in the losses. Like oh, yeah. there is hope there. I don't know if there's a whole lot of hope in New England right now. There's just not a whole lot of hope. The their biggest hope is to find the new Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick is still there, and he's <laughs> he's just tearing him down. He's just tearing him down. Retire, Bill. Bill, it's over. It's over. Call it quits. It's like watching a dog suffer and not just pulling the bullet in the head. You have to get it. You have to just call it now, Bill. It's done. It's over. There's no more dynasty to run. Tom is gone. Gone. Mac is not the answer. You have to end it now. The Patriots are the worst team right now in the NFL. And it's not even close for me. I think that they are um, I appreciate a much I, I, I feel like they're a much worse team than the Carolina Panthers because the Panthers at least have some upside to them. I think I I think there's an argument there. I think that's fair to say. Um, 55 points is not good. Panthers have scored 98. So, you know, I mean, I'm just saying we've almost doubled their points. Worst offense in the NFL, at least that's definitely sure. Uh, Mitch, the last one here, uh, made the leap. Uh, Mm. the, the idea behind this, I, I, you know, it could be a a player. It could be a team. I guess it could be anything, but somebody or something that is just clearly made the leap this season. I'd like to go first here. Uh, this was inspired by a player who I mentioned, in our week one reactions, I watched him in that Thursday night game against the Chiefs, and he just just flashed off of the screen. And you just saw, wow, Aiden Hutchinson is here this year. Oh wow. Aiden yeah. Hutchinson has brought his game to another level this year. It was it was very obvious from game one in that Chiefs game when it was like, oh, we got to double this guy every every play. We got to, where where is Aiden? Where's 97 on this play? Uh, we got to figure out where he's, at, where he's at and stop him. Uh, Hutchinson's a dude. He is clearly a dude. And listen, he was the number two pick in the draft. He should be a dude. He's in year two. This should be the timeline, but you love to see it. I mean, you love to see him develop that way. He had a very strong close to his rookie season. He has four and a half sacks. To start this year, four passes deflected. He's got an interception, uh, eight QB hits. He's been fantastic. He is clearly one of those guys that the offense looks at when they're doing their prep the week before, and they say, 97. That's a guy we got to account for at all times. What's the game plan against 97? What two guys are responsible for him? Like, he is one of those guys now, and I think it's great. So, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson. You know what? I love that. And I'm going to go along the same veins and just go the entire Detroit Lions team. There you go. Look, this is a team. If you're San Francisco, if you're Philadelphia, and you're getting into that NFC title game, I don't want to see Detroit. I don't want to see them. Because right now, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. And this, this Detroit team is finally caught in their stride. God bless the Detroit Lions. God bless Dan Campbell. I mean, they had just completely figured this thing out. Um, I love this organization. I think that even though they're in the same division as the Bears, I love to see the Lions succeed right now. I love love this Lions team. They're so much fun to watch. 
They give me something to root for. They give me something to root for, Dallin. <laughs> yeah, the Lions have been great. Uh, a great story. And, you know, where last year it felt like at times what they were doing was just a little gimmicky, was just a little like catching people off guard more than it was like we're just a better team. Um, this year, it's that is not the case. This year, you watch them and it's like, yeah, no, that's just a better football team across the board. That's a great offense. That's a much improved defense. It's a it's a front four. It's a front seven that you have to worry about now that you have to contend with. And that's what you need to be a competitor in this league. And yeah, the Lions have clearly taken a step to this is a legitimate NFL playoff contender team. And uh, they're going to be in the mix. And now, are they going to be a top, top contender? Are we, are we going to be putting them in conversations with San Francisco and Philly at the end of the season? We'll see. It's it's we'll they'll still have to prove that I think to us, but certainly one of the best stories of this season so far. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Down. That is going to wrap up our quarter season NFL superlatives, and that's going to take us right into the quick picks. And look, another close week. Another close week for us, Dallin. You wound up eight and six. I wound up nine and five right now as the total season uh, record. I have, I am at sitting at forty seven and thirty one. You are sitting at forty five and thirty three. Um, it can't get much closer right now, Dallin. Mm. I mean, we have just been close week in and week out, and right now, through six weeks or through five weeks, excuse me. We only have a two game difference and that could change in a jiffy in a jiffy really, really quick. Yeah. Neck and neck. Uh, We'll see if one of no one's made like a big swing yet. No one's had a week where it's like three or four point swing in the picks. You know, we've stayed pretty close and pretty consistent. So we'll see if someone can separate. Yes, absolutely. And Dallin, let's get off. Not, not get off. Let's kick off. This week with Thursday Night Football, Denver. They're heading over to Kansas City, the home of some good barbecue to take on the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Kansas City favored by minus 10 and a half. Give me the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs at home over Denver. Denver's struggling really, really bad. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, very easy. Defending champs, Kansas City at home Thursday night. Lock it in. Picking Kansas City. Following that, the final of the London games, Mitch, and it's not Jacksonville. They get to return home to the swamps of Jacksonville. This time, we've got the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans. Baltimore favored by minus four in this game. Give me the Ravens overseas in the UK to get it done. Yeah, I I love the I love the Ravens in this one. It's it's not even close. Tennessee is so bad right now. I mean, just tons and tons of question marks, tons of holes. I love Baltimore in this one in London Town. Following that down the more the normal Monday morning or Sunday morning slate, uh, Carolina. They're going to be leaving the state of the the state of South Carolina. Head over to Miami to take on. The Miami Dolphins. Miami right now favorite at minus 13 and a half. Give me the Dolphins. Dolphins over Carolina. I know 
I would love to take your boys and tell them keep pounding, but it's just not going to happen this week. Miami's tough. Give me the Dolphins. Yeah, I'll be grateful if we make this thing look at least competitive for three quarters. Uh, I will be happy with that. Uh, Give me Miami in this one. Following that, Mitch, a a nice Southern matchup, Texas and uh, Louisiana right next door. We got the New Orleans Saints headed to Houston to take on the Texans. Saints favored on the road, minus one and a half. But I will take our forgotten all-star, D'Amico Ryans and this Houston Texans team. CJ Stroud, he's putting it on. They're impressive. Give me Houston. I love Houston as well. I love that team. Um, I'm going to take Houston over New Orleans as well um, in the Lone Star State. Following that game, the Commanders, they're leaving the nation's capital and they're headed over to the to the hot Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta right now favorite at minus two and a half. Give me the Falcons. They're pretty they're pretty impressive on offense. I like the way this team is trending offensively. Um and I think they get this one done against Washington. I like Atlanta. Yeah, I think this is a really good matchup. Both these teams showing to be pretty competitive, pretty scrappy. I could see Washington coming away with this, but I am gonna roll with the Falcons as well. Give me the Falcons at home to get the dub. AFC South matchup. Colts and Jags. That's right. Jacksonville's back in the swamps of Jacksonville. Favored by four in this game. Give me Trevor Lawrence. Give me Travis Etienne. Give me the Jags. Jags all the way over Indianapolis. I think this might be one of the easier picks I've taken because I'm not super impressed with Indianapolis. I like Jacksonville in this one. Minus four and a half. Give me the Jags. Following that game, we have Seattle. The Seahawks, they're leaving the Emerald City and head over to the home of some Skyline Chili, Cincinnati, to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati favored right now at minus three and a half. Give me the Bengals in this one. The season turnaround begins. I think it starts now. Give me the Bengals over the Seahawks. Yeah, Bengals desperately need a win. Cannot fall to two and four before the bye week. Uh, be a tough spot to be in. I think Joe Burrow wills this team to a win in a tough matchup against Seattle. Give me Cincinnati at home. Following that AFC North matchup, the Minnesota Vikings headed down the Great Lakes to take on the Chicago Bears, the monsters of the midway. Minnesota favored minus two and a half in this game. I will take the road favorite. Kirk Cousins, they're one in. They're one in four to start this year. Not great. They they get a much needed win on Sunday. Give me Minnesota. You got to be crazy if you think I'm not taking my Chicago Bears after two back to back great offensive performances. I have to take the Chicago Bears at home over the Minnesota Vikings. You got to be crazy if I think I'm not taking my Bears. Bears plus two and a half. Got to take the Bears. Bears over the Vikings following that game to wind up the Sunday morning slate down the San Francisco 49ers. They're leaving the city by the bay to head over to the greatest city in Ohio, the Cleveland area, city of Cleveland, Cleveland Browns um, hosting the San Francisco 49ers right now. San Francisco favored minus five and a half on the road. Um, 
I got to take the Niners. I mean, this is the best team in the NFL. I have to take the Niners on this one in an easy route. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. When I first got to this game, part of me was literally highlighting the Cleveland Browns. And then I sat there and I and I stopped myself and I said, this is the fool who picked the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Niners in Sunday Night Football. And a fool I did look. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me. You, you can't, can't, can't get fooled again. I'm taking the Niners. I'm not doing it again. Give me San Francisco. Don't do it. Get it done on the road, Mitch. Following that afternoon slate, New England, worst team in the NFL, according to Mitch, they're headed to Sin City to take on the Raiders. Vegas favored by three in this game, but there's no way in hell that Bill Belichick is going to let Josh McDaniels beat his ass in this game. No way. No way. Patriots might win three games this year. He's not letting Josh McDaniels embarrass him on Sunday. Give me New England in this one. You bet your ass there's a way that Josh McDaniels beats Bill Belichick, especially on his home turf in the Death Star. Give me the Raiders in a very easy cover of minus three and a half over the Patriots. I like the Raiders in this one. Following that game, the Detroit Lions, they're leaving Motor City to head over to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks right now, Tampa Bay favorite at minus three. Give me the Lions. The Lions. They have to be the team. This is one of the most exciting teams in the NFL. Give them to me over the Bucks. I love the Lions in this matchup. Yeah, I like the Lions too. Give me the Detroit Lions. It's pretty easy. NFC West, Mitch. The Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Cardinals. Visiting SoFi Stadium, where LA's favored by a touchdown, minus seven in this game. Rams have been a good story to start this season. Uh, not down and out like everyone thought they might be. Uh, showing some fight. Cooper Cup is back. Give me the Rams and a big offensive performance at home. Yeah, I think this wide receiver core is going to have a field day. Call them a uh, Pooper Cup, uh, Poopa Nakua, and Poopoo Atwell. <laughs> as they're going to shit all over this Arizona secondary and absolutely light them up. Give me the the Los Angeles Rams in a route over the Arizona Cardinals in this one. Uh, following that game, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. They're heading over to New Jersey to take on the New York Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Right now, Philadelphia favorite at minus seven. Philly, easy one. Give me Philly in this one. Yeah. Gonna take Philly in this one. Touchdown favorites on the road. Jets are showing fight. I don't think they maybe they don't get blown out in this game but come on. It's the Eagles we're talking about. This should be a pretty easy game for them. Sunday night football, Mitch, a New York matchup with the G-Men headed up north to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo favored by two touchdowns in this game. 14-point favorites for the Bills, and hell, I, I'll take them to cover. <laughs> Give me Buffalo. If you live in the Buffalo era and you are a Buffalo Bills fan, take your family out to a nice wing and dinner and enjoy some good Buffalo wings. 
as you enjoy this Buffalo Bills win because they're going to blow them out. Give me this Buffalo team wait, over wait, I, the G-Men. I, I didn't think about this yet, but now I'm just kind of putting this together. Is there a chance for a Brian Dable little, like, let me prove my worth game here? Because, you know, he's making his return to Buffalo. To, you know, is is that is that storyline we're missing? No. No. <laughs> nah. Buffalo. All right. Way over the G-Men. Way over the G-Men. Down on Monday Night Football. Last game of the week. Dallas. Second week in a row. They're on prime time and they're taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Right now, Dallas favored minus two. Dallas looks bad. They have struggled in prime time. Give me the Chargers to get it done over the Cowboys in primetime on Monday night. I like the Chargers to cover this one. Give me the team from L.A. You know, there will be more Cowboys fans than Chargers fans in this stadium, guaranteed. Uh, As bad as Dallas has looked, they're a very back-and-forth team, Mitch, which means they were down last week. They're up this week, so... Give me Dallas on Monday night. Two kind of up and down teams here, the Cowboys and Chargers. This one was kind of a tough one for me to take, but I, I'll, I'll roll with Dallas in this one. Dallas on the road. Love it. Love that. Love it. There you go. That's going to do it for the quick picks, and that's going to do it for the podcast. All we got, episode 180. We appreciate you hanging around. Uh, for the show, if you were joining us live on X at Sports Hour Guys or on YouTube.com slash the Sports Hour Guys, we appreciate you. Got a comment earlier we didn't talk about from Michael. Says his fantasy team ain't looking good. Hate to see it, Michael. We got we should probably do a little yeah. fantasy update one of these weeks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, it's been an up and down season for me myself. It's uh, had some good, some not so good. You know, when you have four teams, that that, that kind of helps. You, know, you got a lot of, you know, a lot of teams to care about. And uh, but uh, yeah, appreciate your comment. You could be like Michael and join us uh, on YouTube every week again. YouTube.com slash the Sports Hour, guys. Mitch, uh, tell the people where they can find the podcast. Yeah, if you can find the podcast wherever you, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can listen to that podcast on Apple Spot or on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Look up the sports hour guys and you will find us there get on apple Podcasts, leave us a rating or review tell us that we suck because down that is the only way that we can get better it is the only way that we could get better um 180 episodes down and uh, we still need to get better so uh yeah leave a rating leave a review honest true that's right ours ours no lion. No lion in those reviews. Tell us No lion. Yeah. There we go. So that'll do it for today, folks. We appreciate you hanging out. We'll catch you next time. Uh, until next time, we love you. We appreciate you. And we'll catch you next week. So long, everybody. And a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. See ya. See ya.